Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined today by our co-host and uh, producer, Jack of all trades, really, at Full Slate. His name is Alex Uplinger, at Alex underscore up seven is where you can follow him on Twitter. And he manages our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Super Bowl 55, we made it to the first Sunday in February with the National Football League still going. And that means one more game to close up the book on the 2020 season. 2020 season, 2021 playoffs. I don't know. I always think about it as the end of the 2020 season, even though all the playoffs are played in the following calendar year. Alex, a little bit of a pet peeve of mine to start off, but how are you doing? <laughs> Greg, I'm doing great. You agree, Got though? It. The winner of this game is the 2020 Super Bowl champion. Yes, I yes. do. It's okay. it's kind of annoying that the, the years and the seasons don't quite match up. But, yeah, we're here. No, We're uh, here. No games canceled. And that is an accomplishment I'm, in and of yeah, itself. I'm honestly surprised that we didn't have any games canceled, just a couple postponements. Which you know, it's gave something us- I thought about as the season went on, like, Yes, there was that Wednesday game, and we had a, with the Ravens COVID outbreak later on in the year, and early in the season the Titans were a problem, and and there was a Tuesday game, and there were some other Tuesday games, Monday night doubleheaders, but 
didn't it feel a little more normal than you thought? Like, how many Sundays out of the 17 of the regular season just went off as normal and were like, nothing was going on? I felt like that happened more often than expected. I feel like NFL was really the only normal thing we we did have this year. It definitely felt like a normal season, and I was not complaining about some Tuesday night football. It was awesome. Yeah, no, it certainly what felt pretty normal, and then those weeks. I say the one thing that I don't think I liked, which just was the way things lined up, there were a couple Thursdays that were impacted by the Tuesday games, and therefore there were no Thursday games. I think I need that Thursday game. Tuesday was nice, but I'd much rather have the Thursday game. Yeah, I agree that that was tough. We got spoiled by the the midweek games, and then we're longing for football come Thursday night. Yeah, that was that was rough. Yeah. So anyway, here we are, uh, one last game, and hey, I think the NFL, given the season that it had to get this kind of Super Bowl, even though we won't have a full crowd there in Tampa. You get a home Super Bowl, you get Brady and Mahomes and, you know, the GOAT versus maybe the mini GOAT, you know, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's definitely, uh, you know, I think the, the a, 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 a tasty matchup for us fans, and, and that's what the NFL was hoping for, a regular season rematch. Of course, these two teams met uh, in Tampa in November, so it all adds up to, uh, it might have even been December, but it was late in the season, and it all adds up to what should be a pretty fun game. Alex, before we get into our picks and you know where we're at as far as the side and the total and our props, let's just talk a little bit about bankroll management and how you like to uh, you know diversify your portfolio come Super Bowl Sunday because obviously the you know we had Johnny Avello on last week from DraftKings and um, we just talked about the growing, you know, amount of options that you have in the prop market. I mean, it's it's really hard not to find something to bet on for this game. I mean, novelty props galore, cross-sport props with the other stuff that goes on on Super Bowl Sunday and sports before the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just it, – there are so many options. How do you go about uh, deciding what you want to bet on? Yeah, that's a great question. I I really didn't – Love either side here, so I'm, I'm only so did that going small. Your yeah, so that it did this year exactly. So I'm I'm small on the side and and totals, and I'm more on player props and in game props. I'll probably look to play a couple things live depending how things start, but I'm definitely a lot less on the side and the the full game total than normal years for sure. And I suppose is the inverse true then in previous years you're bigger on the side in total and then you know lesser on the props? Yeah, I usually have a way more conviction on a side. I I feel like this sure. is a really tough number to to break down, which yeah, I I could really see it going either way, so I didn't put much on either side. Yeah, way more on the player props. Uh normal years I definitely sprinkle here and there on some more fun props, but this year, with not being as confident in the side, I dove way deeper into player props. I'm putting way more on player props than I normally do. We're going to get to the side in a minute, but you mentioned diving deeper into player props. 
I'm curious then because I've always felt the Super Bowl prop market is so expansive and it gives you some really interesting opportunities. First up, you mentioned obviously being in Virginia, you have some more uh, local jurisdictions at your disposal uh, as far as, um, you know, different books that are now available to you. So obviously, you know, the shopping around cannot be stressed enough. If it's something at your disposal, you know, less juice is always a good thing and, and better numbers or, you know, just the way of the business here when it comes to sports gambling. You always want to uh, try and get the best of those numbers and try and, uh, you know, drink as less juice as possible. And that is obviously on display here in the Super Bowl. But, Alex, my question to you is more so on, you know, I don't even want to say middles, but, like, I feel like there's a lot of opportunities for those kinds of things with the props where, okay, say you like somebody over their receiving yards, then you can also bet them in like a head-to-head prop, like say you like Godwin or whatever. You can bet him head-to-head with one of the pass catchers on Kansas City and take him in that matchup and, and maybe try and hit both or, you know, things like that. Do you try to get fancy with them and, and, and how much of your – you know, portfolio when it comes to the props, are you thinking about, well, I already took this. Now, if I also take that, it kind of correlates, or does that not really enter your mind? Oh, it definitely enters the mind. All that does, yeah. Like you're saying, if you're if you're kind of feeling you, – you have to write a game script in your mind, like sure, a way that the game's going to go. Do you think it's going to be super high scoring out of the breaks? Are you going to take – you know, first quarter over, are you going to take certain player props over, receiving yards over, because you think the script is going to be super high scoring? If you like the total over, are you going to just play blindly all, you know, receiving props, right. props over? Because that's the thing. Like, I understand that there are a lot, a lot of options, but you have to remember that the more options there are, it's still just one football game. So uh, eventually, like, there's going to be overlap. Right. <laughs> here right there's a there's a finite amount of things that can happen not right. not every player is going to catch 10 passes for 100 yards you know there's there's only one football to go around there's only a certain amount of yards that can be accumulated so it is interesting being in the legal market now to shop around at these different legal books to to see what they are and then I'm still looking at all these offshore numbers it's interesting to see how drastically these things can really differentiate yeah and i have to ask you on that note were you involved in probably i mean i i haven't looked at the prop market very you know in my earlier years as a sports better i was like most and i still am mostly side total but certainly prior to last year i would say and maybe i got new england and the rams the one year i was hitting the props pretty good but i haven't really studied the prop market as much leading up to games as I have the last couple of years. And so my point is, I don't know if last year that Mahomes rushing fiasco, like had to have been one of the worst prop beats in Super Bowl history. And I just don't want to, you know, I can't think of anything else that compare, but as I said, I don't, I'm not the one that brings the right context. Like were you at all involved in that because I was, and it sucked. I didn't get in early enough. And the kneel downs, created there was I mean the middle on that for props yeah. that the thing. it was huge I want Insane. to say that number opened at like 26 and a half and I think he finished with like 27 or 28 after the knees 
and it, but it closed up over 40. I mean, there was a huge middle for anybody that got in on that one early. Were you involved uh, at all? Yeah, that, I, I was not, thankfully, but I do remember that. I think I saw it recently. There, it had several kneel downs. I think one was like minus nine yards. He was just backing up, wasting it was, time. Well, it was just like a scenario where he had to like. There was like three in a row. Yeah. Because the Niners had like one or two timeouts or whatever, and he was like taking three knees. So he had to try and like run enough time off so that when the third right, knee was taken, that they didn't have like any normal. more timeouts. That yeah, that these, these weren't normal knees though, right? Wasn't he taking massive losses because it well that's it, what i'm saying like then I it went say down the scenario was where the niners have like two timeouts and if they if he just went straight down both times by the time he got to the third knee like there w- would have still been enough time to where the niners would have gotten the ball back so like on the first two when you knew the niners were going to call timeout like he had to go back more i think that's what happened no that's exactly what happened and he lost like I wish I looked it up, but I think it was double it was like digit yards. Yeah, yeah. I want to say went, prior to any of the knees, it didn't matter what number you had. If you went over, you were going to cash. Oh, easily. And then I think it fell twenty six, and I believe a lot of people had twenty six point five. Oh, it fell twenty six. Okay. I think it was a drastic decrease, just there, based yeah, on you all had those. To get it at the opening number. In order to still cash. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. insane. So I'm curious then on that before we get into our picks, do you hit these props right away? Like, are you sitting on some good numbers here or not necessarily? I honestly don't know necessarily. I've been just looking throughout the week. It's really interesting to see the difference between some of these books. Like, I'm looking at two books right now, and there's this six yard difference between two currently that feels really drastic when you have you know this many options and then that two could be so far off I think you just have to shop around and that's the benefit of having all these options in your market now like before I used to just go all offshore maybe look at two things and usually the offshore are pretty pretty damn similar so there's not really that room for shopping around they all feel very similar yeah no uh, it feels like for the most part uh it is uh a market that can vary uh but uh, at sometimes depending on the player and the prop you might also see uh, most books be around the same numbers so that's the thing i mean it's just very hard to know with these props where the different books are at and that's why Again, the shopping around element uh, is very important. But let's get started. Uh, and I know normally, we, you know, I at least thought we'd save this side for last because it is the Super Bowl and it is a short line. So we're thinking, and Alex, you were texting me that, in, in, I don't know if you have an exact stat, but the points really haven't mattered. So the favorite covers or the dog wins. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do, actually. Not- I do. This is, this is one reason that I, I initially – I took Tampa plus three and a half, but I went back in on the money line after I saw this stat. It was that straight up winners of the Super Bowl are 45, six and three against the spread. So either the underdog wins or the favorite wins and they end up covering. And then I also saw that underdogs 
of six points or fewer, they've never covered the spread without winning. So six points or less, which we're sitting at at three or three and a half. Right. They either win the game or they or they but don't they cover. Popped. Yeah, they yeah. they get blown out and doesn't come within the numbers. So yeah, that's why I would I would say just take the money line. But that three in the hook that is very intriguing. Yeah, I mean, listen, we do this every week during the regular season, and we know how intriguing that hook can be. And, you know, this is more a pride thing on my end, but, uh, Alex, it's something that uh, should come as no surprise. The the casual bettors in this game are just going to bet the money line on the side anyway. So I've always kind of felt like I don't want to swallow my pride and bet a money line on a three-point line that – in either direction. Although I'm seeing plus 143, I'll be honest. I don't look because I I like the Tampa side here. Plus 143 doesn't seem that drastically different here as far as a shading on a three point dog. What maybe surprises me a little more is you got to lay a dollar 63 on the Kansas City money line. So maybe that's where the shading is going on right now. Yeah, I think so. They're just trying to cover for people just taking the. Chiefs to win outright when really they should just take the Play Chiefs the to cover. Yeah, exactly. Because right. or or I, and we'll get more into this. I think you just take Mahomes to win the MVP because I, I just don't see idea. a way that Kansas City wins without him going off. But we'll get more into that later. As far as the side, I mean, I'm going to be on Tampa and I'm probably going to take three, three and a half. I missed that hook. I'm hoping it pops back up if we do see uh, some more Chiefs money come in. As we get closer to kickoff, simple for me, really. I just think the current form for Tampa is better right now. And they're the dog and, you know, say what you want about home Super Bowl and and COVID. And it doesn't seem really that of an impact in this point spread because we're still seeing Kansas City laying three. And what are they saying? Like 25,000 is the expected attendance here? Yeah, I think so. And there's not really a... And you know the Chiefs are getting some of those tickets. And it's all really – it's like a corporate event. So it's not that – it's not the rowdy drunks in the 600 level that you want for a home game. For a home those Super people, Bowl, right. Yeah, you, those people won't those, be there. You know, the other 35,000, tickets, that's where everybody can really clean up. So that's a fair point. So I don't think the home Super Bowl angle is that crucial here. Which is also why, like, I think this number probably comes shorter if it is. And that's why I think Tampa, like, I'm aligning myself with that side because look at what they've gone through. I know they were pretty unimpressive against Washington in the wild card round, but they've been getting better every round in the playoffs. And I know that Breeze had the torn rotator cuff, and that came out after the divisional round win for Tampa down in the Superdome. But each game, it really felt like, you came away from it thinking that they deserve to win more and more. You know, the the Washington game, as I said, pretty unimpressive, but they did enough to win the game. Then against New Orleans, I mean, they had Breeze and company uh, really, you know, on their heels and not able to do a lot offensively to the point where, you know, I left I, I, most of that game. I thought, you know, Tampa had the lead at half, and or it was tied at half, excuse me. Uh, but Tampa did take the lead in the middle of the second quarter and you know, got ahead in the fourth quarter. And then once you had Breeze playing catch-up, it just wasn't meant to be. And the same thing happened even earlier against Green Bay, where they get out to this good start, 
and the defense is kind of able to just pin its ears back and go after the quarterback. Uh, and I know Tampa's been much better against the run this year than they have against the pass, but we'll get more into Shaq Barrett and JPP a little bit later. Like, you know, with the Chiefs tackles out, now that Eric Fisher is out, like that was a huge thing for me in getting me to the Tampa side. Because, Alex, when we have games of this magnitude where, forget the fact that it's the Super Bowl, when you have games like this where you have two big-time quarterbacks, explosive playmakers on both sides for the offenses, in, from me, it comes down to which defense do I like more? Which defense do I trust more? Which defense do I think can make more plays and limit the opposing offense? And I know that Kansas City's defense did a nice job against Josh, Josh Allen last week, but I think the sample size all season long is more impressive for Tampa Bay. Uh, and so I'm going to be on the Tampa Bay side here. Haven't bet it yet. Like I said, ho- holding out for that hook to pop back up. Shame on me for not getting it early, but I like your stats. Hopefully it shouldn't matter. I like Tampa here, uh, and I think Brady probably is going to win another one. I completely agree. I think that Eric Fisher loss can't be talked about enough. That yeah. is so massive. Because Alex, the regular season game, they were beating the Chiefs with, or the the Bucks were the Chiefs were beating the Bucks with all these downfield throws to Tyreek, and if they, I just don't know if they're going to be able to have as much success getting the ball downfield. I don't care how fast he is, you still need time for those bigger plays to develop. Exactly. I don't know if they can develop these plays without their starting line, like. It's been a complete shift. They have to move Mike Remmers to left tackle in replace of Eric Fisher. And we've seen Remmers in a Super Bowl. He played for the Panthers in Super Bowl 50. And he had the task of going up against Von Miller, and he got absolutely manhandled. He, he gave up seven quarterback pressures and allowed two sacks. I'm not saying that JPP or Shaq Barrett is a Von Miller, but they've been really solid throughout the season and in the playoffs, I think they can get a lot of pressure. And I just don't know how Mahomes is going to be able to go downfield like normally with this pressure coming in. The the Bucks in the regular are, season. Are you thinking, by the way, that Mahomes is 100% healthy or you think there might be a few things that are kind of swept under the rug here? Um, he looked he looked mobile enough yeah. against the Bills. So I'm, not, I'm not too concerned about that turf, so I'm not really factoring that in. I'm just thinking about the loss of that left tackle against one of the best pass rushers, yeah. pass rushes in the league. I mean, we saw against the Packers, the Bucks had five sacks and Shaq Baird had three. Right. If you look at the Chiefs' offensive line, and the Packers also, and this was for a while, but remember they were out without a key tackle in David Bakhtiari. They were. But way more solid of a line than what the Chiefs are going to be rolling out on Sunday. Right, right. and you still saw a good pass rush from Tampa. Exactly. And if you look at this line, it's it's really inexperienced. It's a bunch of seventh-round picks and guys that have been cut. I saw a stat. It was four out of the five linemen. They've been cut by multiple teams. The only guy who hasn't been is a guy that they drafted in the seventh round last week who is going to be starting. they got – they got Mike Remmers at left tackle. He's taken zero left tackle snaps since 2016. Allegretti at left guard, seventh-round pick. Ryder at center, seventh-round pick. Wisniewski, he was cut by Pittsburgh in November. Yep. This guy is just 
he's filling in there. You got Wiley, an undrafted free agent guard. He's playing right tackle. This is as shoddy as it gets. If anyone can overcome it, it really is Andy Reid game planning and then Mahomes with the mobility and just being one of the best quarterbacks we've seen. But I ultimately think that this front seven is really going to cause them some trouble. I, I really like the – I like the Bucks here. I really like that pass rush. Like Barrett, I love JPP as well. And then Devin White, he blitzes. Oh, he looks great. Yeah. one of the linebackers. And yeah, I think they'll. I think they'll just run over this line. You got Vita Vea back now as well. Right. And he didn't already play first game against KC. No, this will be his first game back since I think October. He's been out and he's set to play. This is already the best DVOA. Rush defense, so it's already a tough spot against this front for the offensive line, and then you're not going to have any semblance really of a run game because the Bucks stopped that the best out of right, any team and, and they haven't been running the ball much anyway. Kansas City, that is exactly. So now, obviously, we know they're going to want to pass majority of the game, but now you literally have to. <laughs> and then you have this great rush against just a shoddy line. I'd... Listen, no one's arguing that there's advantages on the outside for Kansas City against the Tampa secondary, but how exploitable are they going to be is what I can't get past. Yeah, it's a great point. So some agreement on the side to get things started with Tampa Bay. Let's move to the total now where we're seeing 56 as the prevailing number, it seems. Looks like this has been bet down. I think it was 57 and a half uh, on the open. And we saw under money come in. Um, I'll start us by saying I'm more interested in the first quarter and first half under. I have not played the full game total, and I don't even know that I will. I got first, I went first half under 10, first half under 27 and a half. Uh, and this really surprised me, and I do think there's something to this. In, this is Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl. In the previous nine, eight of the nine had scoreless first quarters. And the only one that did not have a scoreless first quarter had three points scored. So what I'm thinking here is that you give a defense two weeks to prepare for Brady. More often than not, and remember, it's Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator for Kansas City, who obviously was the defensive coordinator for the Giants in those two Super Bowls against New England. So if you give a defense in the Super Bowl, which we're thinking normally you still have, most of these defenses have been pretty good, right? Giants, um, you know, I, I, as an Eagles fan, I know the Eagles were in two of them. Definitely that first Eagles defense uh, of the two all the way back in 2004. Four now or oh five, whenever it was, that was a good defense. You give them enough time to prepare for Brady, and they normally have a good game plan early. And Brady's kind of feeling them out. There's oftentimes not a big, you know, offenses are kind of seeing what they're bringing and then taking their shots a little later on. I think more often than not, the defensive game plan is good enough against Brady early on. And then he's so good at adjusting mid-game, that explains that trend being what it is. Okay? And 
you talked we talked about the Chiefs offensive line being a little bit of a turnstile. There are some banged up players on that interior of the offensive line for Tampa Bay, and it could be a big game for Chris Jones. They're gonna have to double him on the offensive interior uh for Tampa Bay. Uh but anyway, all of this is to say that I think we're gonna get a slow start. Uh the weather seems like it's gonna be a kind of a mucky day in Tampa. Some rain throughout the day that is going to clear up later on, it seems. Um, cloudy, cool temperatures in the 60s. I just don't see either team coming out guns a-blazing. I think in a game like this, with a total this high, oftentimes we get build coming in for two weeks about all the offense we're going to see. It just doesn't play out that way, at least to start. Remember last year, a very high total as well. And you know, underbetters for the full game had to sweat towards the end and still catch their tickets. 31-20 final score, I believe it was a 55 closing total. So it obviously got kind of interesting, but under was certainly the right play on the total as that game played itself out. I think it plays itself out similarly here. I think it'll probably open up a little more in the second half, which is why I am more inclined to go first quarter, first half under uh, for me. Uh, and I'll, I know you share that sentiment as well. Yeah, I'm with you on the first quarter under. Tom Brady is just a slow starter, like you mentioned. Nine of his Super Bowls, only one has gone over 10 points. And five of those games have been tied 0-0 after the first quarter. I think this will be another slow start. I think they'll be feeling each other out. I could see... Maybe a drive and a field goal. Teams get a little tight in the red zone and ultimately kick. Yeah, I like the first quarter under a lot. I'm going to be playing that. I've been looking at the markets here. I'm seeing 10.5 at FanDuel, DraftKings, and MGM, and then I'm seeing 10 on Bet Online. I, I took 10. I think I might go back in at 10.5 at MGM, which is minus 120. It's really interesting to see how much they differ. I'm seeing FanDuel is at minus 140. DraftKings is at minus 150. And MGM is at minus 120. And that's all at 10.5. It's really interesting to see those different juices. I don't know if that's their position or if they're taking money on the over and they just adjust to these juice numbers. Yeah, I'm with you on the under of 10, 10 and a half. I'm sorry, did you say only five of the first quarters have been scoreless? Yeah, five of his nine have been tied 0-0, but uh, nine of the ten have gone under ten points. I think you were looking at Brady's side. There's been Brady's a side. couple okay. games. Yeah, you're you correct. Were... I, I That's what I had in my notes. Okay. My mistake. Um, no, that's, I, uh, yeah. I thought that's what you meant because um, yes. against the Rams it was – it was 3 nothing, and then that one Giants Super Bowl. You're right. One was 3 nothing. One Giants was 9 nothing with the Giants up nine points. I think it's good to – I think under the first quarter is a good play. And then if that pans out, I think I would play the in-game total over. I think that sure. it's going to pick up, like you said. I think the second quarter will be higher scoring. I think the second half will be higher scoring. I saw a prop – 
what will be oh, the I highest think I saw this. Pass. I might end up taking this. More points in the Yeah, I think I'm going to take that. I saw it was uh, on DraftKings. It was first half higher scoring, minus 113, and then second half, minus 112. Wow, I thought there'd be more right. juice on the way, second way half. More juice. I think so. Yeah, I'm going to be playing the second half, minus 112 to be the higher scoring half because I think there's a good correlation there. Which yeah, no, seen. I definitely like this, and I'm going to play that as well. While we're sprinkling in some props concerning the total, just one I felt like was just a value play at a plus price. Since we're talking about it being a little bit more of a feeling out teams, maybe, I mean, Alex, I'm going back a while now, but you're a Steelers fan. When Randall L threw that touchdown pass, wasn't that like in the third quarter against the Seahawks? Against the Seahawks. That was late. That, that's another one. I think, did you have I mean, that? The Eagles or ran the so, Philly special. That was in the second quarter. Like, I just think when you have these tricks up there, up your sleeve, more often than not in the Super Bowl, they come at like random times in the game. I know that, it might sound sexy to be like, all right, first drive, we're pulling out all the stops. But that's normally not how these coordinators game plan. No, and I think there's something to be said about. So I went with no, to finish my point, I went with no scoring in the first six minutes and 30 seconds of the game at plus 120. Yeah, I love that. I, th- I think it'll come out slow for sure. And that makes me like the second half being higher scoring even more. I think there's something to be said about these Super Bowl halftimes being way longer than a normal halftime. Sure. So, right. It, it almost helps them come up with more stuff. Right. Isn't there way more time to adjust? Because, Alex, and, how many times when you're watching a regular season game do you hear the color commentator or whoever talk about the scripted stuff in the first half, right? Well, when you have twice the amount of time at halftime, don't, I wonder if they script more stuff in the second half, too. Oh, absolutely. I think yeah. so. I, I think the second half is equally or more important. The, the first half, the first quarter, the, it's a lot of feeling out process. And I think there's a lot of nerves there. People make mistakes. There's a couple less plays made just solely on the tightness of these players coming out here in the Super Bowl under the bright lights. So some agreement on the total as well as we – Continue to move forward. I guess I'll wrap up one more of my props. I just also went with the Chiefs to punt before score. Uh, you know, I, I think that, again, a lot of the similar stuff that we're talking about, I ate 30 cents of juice there, minus 130. I, I, Alex, I think I might have that one cash one minute into the game. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All it takes is one, one three and out, and you've got it there. Right. Uh, so let's move forward and get more into some of the uh, props that don't necessarily, uh, you know, tie into the total, like some of the ones that we mentioned there. Um, and Alex, you're going to get us started with, I know there's going to be a lot of people gravitating towards Evans and and Godwin and AB, but you're looking at Scotty Miller for your first wager on the in the prop market. I am indeed. I'm playing Scotty Miller over 14.5 receiving yards. That's at MGM. I saw this at other books. I saw this on Bet Online at 20.5 and DraftKings also at 20.5. So it's really interesting to see how drastically different that is. That's 
a six-yard difference. I really think Scotty Miller could go over really any of those numbers. It, it only takes one reception for him. He has the speed. I think they're going to be really focused in on these bigger name receivers, which they have to be. You know, Evans, right. Godwin, and if AB plays, so that might take away a little bit of Scotty Miller snaps. But it really takes one reception. We saw that the past couple weeks against the Packers that reception right before halftime that really broke open the game. That was a 39-yard touchdown. Against the Saints, Miller had one reception for 29 yards, which would easily cover all these numbers. And then against Washington, he only had one reception, but it went for 15 yards. In the regular season, he averaged 15.2 yards per reception. So I think at 14.5, if you can find that number, I love it. I would still play it at these other numbers I'm seeing at 20.5. I think he can comfortably go over these. I think he'll have at least one or two deep targets. I think he gets over this number. Yeah, I'm not going to push you back on this at all. I always find some of these ones, these lower prop numbers where you're going over to be kind of intriguing because, as you said, you can just catch it with one play. I mean, Valdez Scaling hit a big play in the conference championship game for Green Bay against the Tampa secondary, and that probably cashed all of his you know, his over yards probably right there. And so if you think about it, I mean, I think while obviously he's not up to par with the talent of some of the other receivers there with the Bucks, I think there's definitely a rapport and a trust that Scotty Miller has earned with Brady. And again, you're talking about such a low number. Uh, I'm certainly not going to fight you on this one. So, I mean, you know, even if he doesn't get it on one catch, you could be talking about like two two eight yard crossers or whatever, and, and there you go. Exactly, and it seems to be he's become more of their deep threat. So he has a speed to do this. He, I really like it. It's one of those things where he, you really just need one reception. He's not going for some short screen or something. They're, they're letting him loose and. Sure. I think he he could get lost in coverage, and you could see this easily go over on one play, and yeah, no sweat. I'm going to go to another kind of secondary option in the passing game for Brady for my uh, prop that I want to give out here, and I'm going to I ate a big deal of juice here minus a dollar fifty five Leonard Fournette over three and a half receptions. He's gone over this number in each of the three Tampa Bay playoff games. Hey, playoff Lenny. I mean, whatever the deal is here, he has certainly earned the trust of Brady. And the, I mean, Alex, how many times have we seen it? We were talking before we hopped on about James White having a big Super Bowl. Like, in a Brady offense, this goes back, even when, you know, he was early in his days, you know, Kevin Falk, I can remember in New England, being a big pass catcher out of the backfield. There's always this guy. He likes the safety valve out of the backfield. And Fournette clearly has this role secured over Ronald Jones. Yeah, I think that's a good look. It seems like he's getting way more targets than, than Jones does. It seems like Fournette's the number one option. He gets the first team reps, the, the first drive, and definitely way more targets than, than Jones has been getting. 
So when I think about that, and then we also look at the way the Kansas City defense has been playing, the outside of the field has been actually a nice job uh, that they've done a nice job defending, excuse me. Stephon Diggs, just 6 for 77 in the AFC Championship game. Cole Beasley was the leading receiver. He, of course, a slot guy as well. So I think that that probably lends itself more towards, you know, I mentioned Fournette out of the backfield. I wouldn't hate you if you went over on the props on, uh, you know, you mentioned Brait being added to the injury report. So maybe you get a good Gronk number here. um, And, you know, you could look for him to hit a big player too down the middle of the field. I just think that probably is the way that Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians will want to attack this Tampa Bay defense, excuse me, the Kansas City defense. And so, uh, yeah, I think that you always know with Brady that you're, there's going to be these shorter throws, whether it's screens to Fournette or a tight end screen to Gronk here or there. Um, I think that Fournette is going to be my play for over three and a half receptions. Uh, let's go from the Tampa offense to the Kansas City offense where we're going to give out a slew of props here. Um, and Alex, we're both looking at Daryl Williams as a fade here in this game. I'll let you start. You're on his under for receptions at under two and a half. Yeah, I am. It seems that uh, Edward Solari has really solidified that backfield and Looks like Le'Veon Bell is going to play. Le'Veon Bell is his addition has really drastically decreased the the work of Williams, and then Hilaire back. It's it's even dropped off more. Hilaire in his last three games, he he played in uh, week fourteen, week fifteen, and then the AFC Championship. In those games, week fourteen. Williams had zero targets. Week 15, he had zero targets. And then the AFC Championship, he had one target for one reception. Before that, when Hilaire was out in the divisional round, Williams had four targets and four receptions, so he was a huge part of the offense. But with Edwards Hilaire in there, he really takes away both rushing attempts and plays out of the backfield. I think think under... Two and a half receptions is a great look. I had to play quite the juice. I think this was minus 170 when I got to it. It might be even higher now. I think you could get under two receptions at a way better number, and then you hope for the push at two. But I think he's going to have under under two, so I, I think that's still a safe play. Just his production's really dropped down when Hilaire plays, and he looks to be a, a full go in the Super Bowl, and I think they'll get creative and really go to the rookie back here. Yeah, I'm certainly going to uh, agree here as far as Daryl Williams not being as integral of a part of the Chiefs' offensive game plan. I mean, listen, we saw Kansas City have so much success through the air in this regular season meeting that it just feels like when you look at uh, their backfield. Darrell Williams is kind of like that between the tackles power back, like the hammer that they'll throw in there. And, and I mean, like, gosh, like if Mahomes had a much more serious injury against Cleveland, I might have been actually looking to play Darrell Williams in his over props if he happened to, if Mahomes wasn't there against 
Buffalo and Henny happen to start the game, then that's when I want to pound Darrell Williams. You know, because that's when I'm thinking that he's right. going to be a more integral piece of the game plan. But now, you know, with Mahomes obviously getting out of the Buffalo game pretty healthy, um, and and now with a game like this where we saw them in the regular season have the success that they had with their key playmakers and Edward Delair having two more weeks to recover. And Le'Veon Bell might even play in this game. It looks like he was a limited participant. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that also takes away a little. I'm not saying to bet his numbers over if they even get, go up, but it is a guy that obviously has been through a lot in his career. I could see Le'Veon Bell touching the ball more than Darrell Williams. Again, not something that I'm betting, but all speaking to the fade Darrell Williams angle. And that is why I am going to get in on this as well. Not through the air, but on the ground. And I'm going under 28 and a half rushing yards for Darrell Williams because the Chiefs just haven't been throwing or running the ball. Like we have not seen that commitment on that you know, facet of their offense, and, and who can blame them, right? You have Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey, and Edward Delaire is a good pass-catching back, and I, I was surprised to see this number close to 30 in the first place. It sounds like it's been bet down. So, um, you know, Alex, I don't know if you have anything to add here, but I'm going under 28.5 rushing yards for Darrell Williams. No, I agree. I I don't quite see how he'll be on the field nearly as much, especially if Bell plays. I think those two options are significantly ahead of. And if it's like last week's game, where, you know, and we're both on the Tampa side, remember the 49ers got off to a lead, which also would knock off the running game more for Kansas City. Like, again, it just doesn't lend itself towards Williams even being on the field as much if we're thinking he's more of a between the tackles, you know, pound away at a lead type back. Like, I don't see that here. Right. And then if you go back and think about Vita Vang, their, their starting defensive tackle being back. Right. Just, just a great controlling the Yeah, just controlling the line and being a great rush defense. I I can't see how they're going to have any success. I I see them pivoting away from the run very quickly and just live or die by Mahomes, which they should. Right. And that leads me into my prop here on Mahomes. I am going for another play over 41 and a half passing attempts for Patrick Mahomes. Because, again, if you're Kansas City, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think you have to look at this game and say, all right, well, we are facing a very good run defense in Tampa Bay that did not have Vita Vey in the first game that we squared off with them against. And we had all this success through the air. And if we have a bad offensive line and we haven't been committed to the run and we're facing a good run defense, then that should amp up the desire for Kansas City offensively to just try and hit some of those shorter passes. If the pass rush is effective for Tampa Bay, what better way to beat it than with an Edward T. Lair screen or a Travis Kelsey tight end screen, bubble screen to Tyreek Hill, things like that where you can get the ball out of Mahomes' hand quick, hands quickly, prevent him from taking big hits, and we know that he can hit the big plays. We saw that in the game against Tampa in the regular season, so that's not something we have to worry about. And so all of it makes me think that Kansas City is just going to say, all right, you're the franchise quarterback, best quarterback in the NFL, 
we're putting the game on your right arm. You had two weeks. You got through the Buffalo game healthy, two weeks to get even healthier. Uh, run, you know, throw, throw, throw here, and we're living and dying by your arm. And it's a championship, you know, Super Bowl game. In all sports, you want to live or die by your best players failing or succeeding. He's the best player for the Chiefs. They haven't been consistently running the ball at all. I think the best way for them to try and circumvent some of the pass rush problems that could present themselves with Tampa being so formidable there would be to just get them, get the ball out of his hands quickly and use that as an extension of their run game. All of that makes me think Mahomes is just going to throw the ball a ton here. 41.5 seems like a number that's too low. I think even if Kansas City gets off to a lead, I don't think they would abandon that game plan and continue to throw the ball. So over 41.5 rushing or passing attempts, excuse me, for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I think that's a good look. And that brings me to an interesting prop I saw on FanDuel. It was most passing yards in the game, Mahomes minus 155, Brady plus 120. Gosh, minus 155 doesn't seem juicy enough there. No, right. If you see the first game, didn't Mahomes almost threw for 500 yards, and then they kind of – took their foot off the gas there in the first game, and I can't imagine that being the case in the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. And, I mean, Alex, even in last in the conference championship, uh, Rodgers threw from almost 100, you know, 66 more yards than Brady, you know, and, and obviously Brady and, and the Bucks won the game. But, uh, you know, I, I think the Bucks, we've seen them, even with Brady as a quarterback, like they have not shied away from running the ball. We talked about Fournette earlier. He's not just the James White in terms of, like, not getting carries. They're handing him the ball. And Ronald Jones, a healthy Ronald Jones, is a guy that can rip off some chunk gains for them. And and we know that the Kansas City defense is one that you can kind of hit with some of these five, six-yard runs to mix in some methodical drives. So certainly would think if there's one team that cares more to incorporate the run into uh, into their game plan, it would be Tampa. Exactly. That's the same thing I'm thinking. I, I feel like that's a little under juice, especially with how bad the Kansas City rush defense is. I think they're I think they were one of the worst in the regular season and Tampa runs the ball at a high clip, so I, I think that Mahomes will be throwing at will here, right? You would certainly think and, and again I don't even think I need him to throw at will. Forty one and a half just felt like a number that was too low. So I'm on that and hey that transitions a little bit nicely into your prop here. You're going to look at the total sacks in the game. And, hey, if we're thinking Mahomes is going to drop back enough, and you would think Shaq Barrett and JPP could get after him enough. I mentioned Chris Jones potentially really being able to exploit the weak part of the Tampa interior offensive line. Uh, Frank Clark is always a capable pass rusher as well. You like over four and a half sacks. It's your bet, not mine, so I'll let you talk. <laughs> I do. I like over four and a half sacks. I saw this at plus 140 on Bet Online. I really like this with the with the shoddy Chiefs offensive line, which we talked about earlier. But last week, or not last week, but in the NFC Championship against the Packers, the, the Bucks had five sacks. Shaq Baird had three. In the regular season, they had. 2.9 sacks per game. I think the I think the Bucks could easily have 
three or four here, and then you're going immobile with Tom Brady. He's got to give up one or two, right? I think I feel like that's a good number to have five total sacks, and you catch that prop. I think this could definitely get there. Mahomes, he's going to be holding on to the ball very long, trying to make plays, and you're you're making plays against a bad offensive line. He'll be trying to scramble and try to get outside the pocket and run the ball a couple of times. Maybe he doesn't quite get there and you have a sack here and there. I, right. I really like the sacks over the total. Yeah, and Alex, I think this is also a bet on the D coordinators in this game who are pretty bright minds. We talked about Spagnolo and obviously him being the brains behind uh, those two Super Bowls for the Giants with how well they were able to pressure Brady. But let's give Todd Bowles some love too. I mean, he was a guy that – uh, you know, his name resurfaced on the coaching carousel after he, he was let go by the Jets a few years ago. And, and he has had that Tampa Bay defense flying around all season. You know, we talk about the skill guys on the edge for both these teams. But, you know, I don't sleep on the coordinators drawing up the right stunts or the right blitz packages to get after these quarterbacks. As I said, we've seen Spagnolo do it in Super Bowls, and, and Bowles has got to be one of the best to D coordinators in the NFL right now. No, exactly. And, the, and Tampa rushes at the third, or they blitz at the third highest rate in the sure. NFL. So they're going to be bringing Devin White down. They're going to be bringing a lot of pressure on Mahomes, trying to negate that great passing offense. I think they'll be right because a ton again, it goes back to what our point has been the whole time about betting on the Tampa front seven and knowing that their weaknesses are in the secondary. So the best way to circumvent that, obviously, is to bring pressure time exactly. and time again and make Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable. Exactly. That's what I'm banking on here. That, that I really don't think you can understate how big of a loss Eric Fisher yeah. is at left tackle in the AFC Championship game. So they've had two weeks to scheme up a new offensive line, right. losing what is – arguably the most important position on the line, left tackle on the right. blind side. The rest of the line, they had been a walking wounded O-line before that. Exactly, and now you lose your best veteran presence. You have a bunch of guys that have been there but haven't performed, and then a lot of guys who haven't even seen this sort of stage. A few more props for both of us as I'm going to get two in real quick here. Uh, well, I suppose three is – this first one is a straight bet on both teams. So it's two bets, but it's the same prop in some ways, and that is each team to convert a fourth down. Late $1.50 with Kansas City to do it. I'll swallow $1.25 on, on the Tampa Bay side. Listen, it's cliche. We hear it a lot in uh, games, particularly playoff games, but anytime it's like big quarterbacks that are the matchups. And this is one thing that I could get the sense early in the AFC Championship, even though Buffalo got ahead, I didn't feel good for the Bills because they were kicking too many field goals. And how many times do you hear in these matchups with big quarterbacks, you can't kick field goals in the red zone, you got to score touchdowns. I think you see both of these offenses, particularly as the game goes on, maybe start to press a little, coordinators start to open it up, go for more fourth downs. If there's like, if you're in that kind of gray area on the opponent 30-35, I really don't see... I know that you can prop the field goal yardage. Like, I really don't see teams trying those 45 to 55-yard field goals here. I, I think in that case, if it's like a fourth and five or less, you're going to see that both these coaches, uh, offensive-minded guys and Arians and Reed and obviously 
you know, enemy and Leftwich, pretty respected coordinators. Um, I, I think you're going to see them uh, be aggressive and go for fourth down. So it's more of a math thing where I just think they're going to go for enough of them where both teams will convert them. So before I get to one other one that I want to add, Alex, I just want to know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that's a great play. I think that is not quite juice high enough, especially for the Chiefs side at minus 150, I think you said. Yeah. Andy Reid is one of the more aggressive coaches we've seen. I think he's been burned too many times being conservative against, especially like that uh, Eagles Patriots Super Bowl. I think oh, he played yeah. a little oh, too conservative. Be. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Eagles fan, that probably sticks in your mind. I feel like that probably haunts him still just being a little too conservative and you saw against the against the Bills and he's he's going you know they're running those fourth quarter plays and Tyreek Hill in a fourth quarter package fourth and goal fourth right. down and he's going for these these plays I, I feel like that's a great play these are two of the more aggressive coaches I, I don't think they're going to settle for deep field goals yeah, I I like the the fourth down conversion. That's a great play. One last prop for me, which I think correlates into your last prop before we go. I guess the MVP is a prop too, but we're gonna wrap up there. Um, we talked a little bit about it when we mentioned the uh, game, game kind of opening up in the second half and just some of the trick plays kind of aligning more later in the game and coming at random times. Uh, and that's why I'm gonna I I like this one. I think I don't know that I played it last year, but this is one I might just start playing every year. I'm going over two and a half players to throw a pass. Mentioned the Randall L1. That was back 15 years or so ago now against the Seahawks in what was a relatively boring Super Bowl for non-Steelers fans. Um, but, you know, he was quarterback at Indiana. You know, we've seen the Philly special. And, you know, Antonio Brown, by the way, is going to play in this game. And Alex, you know, is a former Steelers fan. I mean, he's somebody that I feel like could – we, how many times have you seen him on that end around then air it out with the left hand? Like, I, I could see that. Like, bottom line is you're giving – talked about the offensive minds, right? You're giving offensive-minded head coaches two weeks to prepare, and they don't even need to deal with the fanfare of Super Bowl week and all the glitz and glamour that comes with it. Like, they're just getting two weeks to prepare. It's almost like a normal game besides some Zoom calls during the week. I think that – one or both of these offensive-minded head coaches is scheming something up where a non-quarterback is going to throw a pass. So you're going, and I got plus 140 here. I love it. Yeah, I think that's a great play. There, there's always seems to be a trick play, especially with and all these right. weapons. You it see, it doesn't even need to be completed. Exactly, just an attempt, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, I love that play as well. I th- I think they'll definitely they're gonna pull out all the stops. These are some of the best offensive minds we've ever seen. So I think that's a good play. Over two and a half just attempts. Yeah, I think there's gonna be some I sort of add a two point conversion does not count in my bet. Okay. <laughs> so you never that's know. Something to keep in mind, but I I still like it. There's gotta be some sort of trickery here. And on and that's lended into your prop here, and that's to go over forty six and a half yards on the longest touchdown. I don't know if that correlates at all to the trickery that you're thinking of, or if you're just thinking, well, there's too many explosive players in this game to not have one big touchdown. 
It has it has something to factor in, but yeah, there's just way too many offensive weapons to not have a deep touchdown like that. I was saying earlier, Scotty Miller, deep threat, one of the faster guys on the Bucks. He he could easily get a touchdown. Deep. And by the way, do you see what he said uh, last week that he's faster <laughs> than Hill? <laughs> that should be the halftime show. Him versus Hill on a hundred yard dash. I I would love to see that. I'd watch that over the weekend easily. Yeah, I think I think when Tyreek Hill is on the field, he's always a threat to go over easily this number, forty six and a half. A 50-yard touchdown, I mean, Tyreek Hill can break that out just on a screen pass. If he's on the field, the amount of times we think that the Chiefs are going to be throwing the ball, which I agree with, I think there's going to be so many opportunities for a deep ball. Hill can break one. Mike Evans is always going deep. Yeah, I I really like over 46.5 for the deepest touchdown. I, I think this is a good spot. So as we come up on an hour, let's wrap things up with the Super Bowl MVP. And, you know, I talked a little bit about it when we talked about the side. Obviously, it's been a quarterback award, and there's a stat, and it's escaping my memory right now because I'm not betting either of the quarterbacks, but there is a stat on uh, the when the total is this high and when we're expecting a high-scoring game, the quarterback more often than not, that, that even more so is the case where the quarterback wins the award. So I think if you do like Kansas City, I just bet Mahomes to win the MVP. And I know, Alex, you're going to give out a few sprinkles on players that aren't named Patrick Mahomes. But I think given, if you're really, and this goes back to what we talked about with correlation and trying to find other ways to attack the same train of thought, and the the way to attack the Chiefs side, in my opinion, is to just bet Mahomes um, at a better price than the Kansas City money line, even money it looks like, you know maybe minus a dollar ten versus minus one sixty three. I think that's the way to go as far as the Chiefs side. We both like Tampa, but if I liked Kansas City, that's what I would be doing. As far as my sprinkle though, I have to go with Shaq Barrett. Um, I got him at seventy five to one, and uh, it's somebody that we've talked about a little bit uh, throughout as how we think that that front seven for Tampa could really get after Mahomes, and Barrett is the one who I think could really be at the forefront of it with Fisher out. Pro Football Focus ranked him first in the NFL this season in total pressures and pressure rate. Um, So I have to think that, and Alex, you think about the defenders too. I mean, you can certainly, and you're going to give out a running back and, um, you know, a receiver. I think if you're going defense, you want to go D-end because – we're certainly going to hear this talk more when we get closer to the draft, but there's one player on the defense that if there's one player that can really impact the game and change a game on defense, it's a defensive end, even more so than a corner, because as we talked about with Tampa, it is going to be imperative that they get home and hit Mahomes because their secondary isn't as good. All of that makes me think, hey, it's 75-1, to 1, I'll toss a sprinkle down on Shaquille Barrett to be the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, this just kind of lines up with how I'm thinking the game is going to go. Like I said earlier, just kind of writing a game script in your head. I think this will be a more defensive battle. I did sprinkle Mike Evans 
fifty to one. That was before the Packers game, so that was just a little. If the Bucks make it, maybe he'll be the one to beat the market a little. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think the better numbers are on the defensive players. Devin White, Shaquille Barrett. Yeah, I think those are good plays. I I saw Tyreek Hill at plus fourteen hundred. I I wouldn't hate that. Maybe he could have a similar game to their their Week Twelve battle, which he had. I think he had three touchdowns and two hundred plus yards. If there's something similar to that, you have to give him the MVP. But, yeah, if you're going to bet the Chiefs, I like the angle of just taking Mahomes. But it's something like minus 120, which is – that's no fun for any of us. you got to go – you got to go these yeah, long shots. You stare at these big prices and not – Yeah, especially after – I actually took Von Miller one year, that, that year against the, the Panthers. Panthers where he yeah. won, yeah, which was insane. So – I'm going to go to the well there again. Yeah, I'm taking Devin White. I'm taking Shaq Barrett. And a little sprinkle on Hilaire. Just, you know, maybe. You know, you mentioned Hilaire. Damian Williams should have won last year. Like, let's just say that. Absolutely. Like, Mahomes, for the better part of the first three quarters, did not look that good. No. And when the running backs carrying you like that, like, yeah, you're getting him the ball, but he's ultimately making all the plays. It looks the same on paper. You're both getting the touchdown, but that running back is carrying you. Yeah, that that easily should have been Damian Williams there. Which and is, then you like Tyron Matthew as well. Is that just thinking probably he'll be all over the field in some way, shape, or yeah, form involved? They play exactly. For that's, yeah, exactly. That's that's just a dart. If if he could make like a you know, pick six or, or maybe a sack fumble or a, a pick and a force fumble. You just got to build those stats. These are ultimately just darts. I wouldn't highly recommend them, but I, I love just sprinkling on the, the big MVP odds. It, it's no fun to take Mahomes at minus 120 to, to win the MVP. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying if you do it and don't take the Chiefs' side, I think that's smart. No, I agree. I think if you're in this position right now and you're thinking Chiefs will win convincingly, then just, yeah, take Mahomes minus whatever, minus 120 or three. People are going to do it, but just do not bet the Chiefs on the money line in this game. No. Lay the three or take Mahomes to win the MVP. That That's pretty much a money line bet right there. Exactly. So there we go. Alex, Super Bowl 55 on Sunday night. I want to thank you for all the fun we had throughout the NFL season doing these podcasts. And, uh, hey, winning or losing, it's always fun to shoot this <laughs> shit with you here on Full Speed. Absolutely. Love shooting this shit. Good to talk to you again, buddy. You bet. Everybody enjoy Super Bowl 55. Hey, Alex, are we going to be alive to see the day that the Monday after is a national holiday? Oh, God. I don't know. I, What's the problem on that? Over <laughs> under on our ages, or will it even happen? <laughs> will it happen? Good question. That, thankfully, I had so much time off. I actually took I took Monday off this year, so I have it. But we need the masses to have it. This needs to be a well, man, sanctioned a holiday. With COVID, how many people right. take vacations and now have the day that they could take off? Yeah, I think I think 
most people in this spot should have the time and take it off. We need to we need to get everyone on to Super Bowl Monday. There we go. Alex, take care, my man. We'll be talking. All right. See you, buddy. All righty. Thanks again to everybody for tuning in to Full Slate. Follow Alex at Alex underscore up seven and follow him managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. And follow me for all of my picks at Undercover Greg. Be back on Saturday with another college basketball edition of Full Slate with Bill Christie. And, of course, everyone, please play responsibly.